You worthy. No, that's... Okay, sorry for that slight interruption. Good job, I didn't say anything crazy. For want of a better phrase. Um, good morning. Um, it's so fun. when the youth go, it's like the first, like no, second row is like decimated. Yeah, no, I, I won't make you move forward. That feels a little bit too teachery. Um, for those of you that don't know me, I'm Libby, um, and I'm kicking off a new series this morning. Um, so you've come at a good point to uh, hear what's going to happen over the next few weeks leading up to Easter. Um, we're going to be. Uh, looking at lots of different of uh, different people are going to be looking at Jesus and who he said he is. Um, one of the things that I love most about church, about this sort of community, is that we're all different. We all have different stories. We all have different backgrounds. We have different um, journeys towards Jesus. We all. Some of you might be here and you haven't yet decided what you think about Jesus. It might be that you're here and you've been following him committedly for years and years and years. Um, some of us in this room might be real academics, some of us more creative. Maybe you're really good at DIY. Maybe some of you would rather not own a toolkit. Um, maybe you are, have lived in Chelmsford your whole life, but maybe you've ended up in Chelmsford because of jobs or relationships or just because this was where you could afford to buy a house. Um, perhaps. Maybe not. <laughs> And maybe you live outside of Chelmsford, but you travel into church because that's the only place you could afford to buy a house. Um, some of us in this room are tall, some are short, some are athletic, some are strong, some less so strong. Um, I love the fact that we are all different. There is real variety in the room. Um, some of us might love to party. Some of us would rather just have an intimate meal with close friends. Or perhaps both. We'd like both. I think I like both, a party and a good meal with close friends. Um, and the, the Church of Jesus Christ is all about um, gathering together people that are different and diverse. It says in the book of Revelation that the Church of Jesus is made, should be made up of all different tribes and tongues and people. And, and so that's what I love, that nothing is, uh, divides us. We want to be a church community that embraces difference no matter what our differences are, that we know who we are, that we can celebrate diversity and we can worship Jesus and praise him together. And I think, um, I think I've said hello to all of you in the room. So basically, you're all my friends. No one's a stranger. Everyone's a potential friend in my book. Um, I've said hello to all of you, but I, there's many of you in this room that I can't say that I know well. Some of you will know me better than others, 
So the question I have for you this morning is if, if you, uh, when you introduce yourself to people and they say, oh, who are you? How do you answer that question? You know, for those of you that don't know many people in the room, now's an opportunity to make up a whole new identity. <laughs> Where you're from, what you do. Like, maybe that's slightly too close to the bone because society does tell us now, doesn't it, that we can choose who we are. We can identify however we like. Um, but that is a totally different conversation, not for this morning. But I love getting to know people. I love getting below the surface and finding out what is it that makes people tick. Hearing your stories, hearing people's experiences and adventures. You know, what is it that brought you along to Chelmsford Vineyard? What is it that brings you alive? How would you finish the sentence, I am dot, dot, dot. What comes to mind? If I was to say to you, who are you? I am. Maybe you identify yourself with the job that you do. I'm a, for me, I'm a pastor. I'm a skier. I'm a highly tuned athlete. <laughs> I think that's funny. <laughs> We're going skiing next week, and I definitely don't feel like a highly tuned athlete right now. My intention is to run in January fell by the wayside. Um, I am, maybe you might say, uh, introduce yourself as, I am a mum, I am a dad, I'm a teacher, a doctor, a student, a sister, a brother, I am a, an engineer, I am on the edge, I'm grateful to be here, I am desperate. How you finish that sentence, I think is really important. However, I also would say, that we aren't just one thing, are we? We aren't just a lady or a man. We aren't just a brother or a sister or a daughter or a son. So often we define ourselves by what others say, by who others say that we are. And we can also simply fall into that trap of defining ourselves by the tasks that we do or the positions that we fulfill. As I said, I am uh, a mum, I am a wife, I'm a leader, I'm a pastor, I'm an extrovert. I am also more sensitive than you'd probably imagine. Um, I'm easily intimidated. I am driven and I'm determined. Um, I am dyslexic, yet I am a learner. I am kind, I am a bit, a bit broken. I am calm most of the time. I'm organized. I am a passionate follower of Jesus. And I am on a journey because I am not who I want to be. So how would you finish that sentence? I am. Interestingly, going back to The Lion King, which we watched on Friday, um, I tried to get the clip for this morning, but I couldn't find the... It was the... Um, not the animated one, the real life one, but clearly they're not real life because that would be really, how would you film that? Anyway, um, CGI, is that what it's called? Um, and there's the scene, if, you, if you've watched Lion King, if you haven't, I apologize. Um, um, towards the end where Rafiki finds Simba and, and he says, who are you? And Simba says, I am nobody. 
And he says, you have forgotten who you are. You are the, are the son of Mufasa. And it's such, I've watched it and I was like, oh my goodness, that's my talk on Sunday. Like, so I would have loved to have shown you the clip. You'll have to go and watch it. It's a really profound point in, this, in the film because Simba has forgotten his identity. He doesn't know who he is and he doesn't know who his father is. Do we know who our father is? Do we know the identity that he has called us into? Two very small words, I am. I am loved. However you would finish that. I want to look at these two words right back at the beginning of Scripture. So if you've got a Bible, you'll want to find Exodus, which is it's the second book in the Bible. If you haven't got a Bible, we'd love to give you one. There's some on the information table. Take it home, read it, ask questions about it. We think it I think it's the best book ever written. Um, but there's this occasion that is recorded in Exodus 3, um, where Moses, you might have heard of him, of the Prince of Egypt fame, um, he was left in a basket in a river in Egypt to prevent his death, um, and he's rescued by the Pharaoh's daughter. And so he grows up in the palace. Later on in life, um, he is used by God to save God's people, the Israelites, to save them from the captivity and the slavery in Egypt, um, which involves the parting of the Red Sea. You might have heard of that. Um, so altogether, Moses is like an all-round legend. Um, and he has this one moment with God um, that, is, that totally alters the, his future, which enables him to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt into freedom, into the promised land. This one encounter changed him forever. Just have a think for a moment. Have you had a moment or an encounter with the Holy Spirit that has changed your future trajectory, that has changed how you live your life? If you haven't, ever had an experience with the Holy Spirit that has changed you, we would love to pray for you. I totally believe that for each of us, wherever we're at in our life, whether we feel like we've done lots and there's less to come or there's still, we haven't done much and there's still lots to come, I totally believe that God has something to say about each of our futures and he wants to be involved. And the question is, will we listen? Will we look out for him? So God meets Moses, and I'm going to read it in a moment, but he meets Moses at a bush that is burning, but yet it is not burnt up. And he has this conversation with God, with the creator God, with Yahweh, with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if you've read this story before, you'll be like, oh, yes, I remember, I know this one. But if it's new to you, you might be thinking, what? A burning bush that doesn't burn up? God speaking through this bush. Either way, whether you've heard this story before or it's new to you, it's pretty significant in the life of Moses. And I believe that it has something to say to us today. Because in this conversation, God reveals his identity for the first time. So you might want to look up uh, Exodus 3, and I'm going to start reading at verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, 
a priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it didn't burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see what this strange sight is, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. At that, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed heard the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because they are slave drivers and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites and Jezubites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am, I am, has sent me to you. So God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. I love this. Firstly, God gets Moses' attention. He sets a bush on fire. Uh, in the, he was in the desert, he was out looking after his father-in-law's sheep, um, and there's a bush on fire. It was out of the ordinary. It was something that caught his attention. Does God need to catch your attention, or are we giving it to him willingly? Has he got your attention now? And if so, what does he want to say to you? In this passage, God explains to Moses that he has seen the sufferings of his people. He's seen the oppression that the Egyptians are putting on the Israelites, and he wants to use Moses to set them free. God wants to set his people free and to show them who he is. And Moses was his guy. Moses was his guy to make this happen. 
And Moses is confused. He, he, he's like, why me? Why, sh- why should it be me? I mean, okay, so in the text we've just read, he says, well, why me, God? Why would you send me? I, I imagine his internal dialogue was a little bit more like, well, I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't, well, at least if it was my internal dialogue, I'd be like, what? There's so many reasons why it can't be me that does this. But yet, when Moses says, I can't tell your people that, I'm, that you're going to save them. Whose authority do I go in? God replies this. He says, I, say to them, I, I am who I am. I am has sent me to you. I am has sent me to you. I come in the authority of I am. God's name is I am. The Hebrew for that is Hayah. I remember that. I kind of picture Karate Kid. Hayah. Um, there you go. You can take that away with you this morning. That's God's name. You know, God's, God is described with other names in Scripture. He is described as the provider, the healer, um, the redeemer, the deliverer. They're names that describe God. But the name that he gives Moses to use a, to the people of Israel, to give him authority, is Haya, I am, which in English translates into the verb to be, or simply be. Therefore, God's name is be. I am, I be, not great grammar, but really powerful theology. God knew that it was imperative for Moses that he knew who was sending him, who he had whose authority he was acting under as he went to set the people free. I am, the present tense active form of the verb to be. God's name declares that he is unchanging. He is constant. He is unending. He is always present. He is always God. So God was saying to Moses in that one phrase, I am, that I am the center of everything. I am running the show. I am the same every day. I am the creator and sustainer. I am the savior. I am more than enough. I am who I am. So if that's what Moses is hearing in that moment, he's also hearing, I therefore am not. Moses knew the conclusion of God being I am meant that Moses was I am not. I am not in authority. I am not eloquent. I am not the center of everything. I am not in control. I'm not the solution. I'm not all powerful. I am not calling the shots. And that is exactly the same for us. I am not in charge. I am not in control. I am not the solution, I'm not all-powerful, I'm not indispensable, I am not calling the shots. I am not. But, and it's a very, very big but, I know I am. I am not, but I know I am. Even when we feel inadequate, and some of us might be feeling that right now, After the week you've had, you might be thinking, what on earth am I doing here? I am not, but 
we can know I am. And when I say no, I don't just mean no cerebrally in my head. I can have head knowledge. But this no uh, is so much more uh, all-encompassing. You know, I know that if I do more exercise, I will be a highly tuned athlete. I can know that in my head. But unless I know that to the extent that it actually causes me to do more exercise, it's pretty useless. To know God, we can know it in our head. To know I am. But until we know it in our heart and in our soul and in our very being, that causes us to live differently, to be transformed people, then it's just another fact that we embrace. You know, do we know God on a whole intellectual, emotional, soul level? Because when we do, that changes everything. You know, this, this um, conversation with Moses happened thousands and thousands of years before Jesus walked the earth. But when he did, Jesus walked the earth. He had conversations with people as a grown man. And in John's gospel, in John's biography of Jesus' life, um, Jesus introduces himself to the crowds and the people that are following him. And he uses his name. That same sentence starter that I asked you about a moment ago. Jesus identifies himself as God. For Jesus' Jewish uh, listeners, for the crowds that were gathering, there would have been no confusion. When they heard Jesus say, I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. They would have exactly heard this conversation that happened with God and Moses thousands of years before because it was so, so important. So there was no mistaking. When Jesus spoke, he was identifying himself as God coming in God's authority. And the Jewish hearers would have known and seen and heard that. Just think again to how you'd finish that sentence. I am None of us probably would finish that sentence with, I am bread, I am a gate, I am a light, I am a vine. We could try that. Let's see, like after the service, how many of you actually introduce yourself like that? Um, but that's exactly what Jesus did. He, he identified himself to everybody that was listening. I am, first and foremost. I'm God, the God of your forefathers. And then he used a describing word. He used, probably isn't a describing word like in grammar, but a noun to, to give light to more of who he is as God. He introduced himself, as I've said, as bread, as the light of the world, as the door, as the good shepherd, as, as the way, the truth, and the life, as the vine of the resurrection and the life. I am and so over the next few weeks, we're going to be unpacking what that actually means for us here today, what it meant for the original hearers, but also for us. So this week, I want to encourage you to mull over, to chew, to allow to marinate in your mind and in your heart. Who are you? Who are you? 
How would you finish that sentence, I am? But more importantly, what does Holy Spirit say? What is he saying over you? How would he define you? You can use that picture of Rafiki and Simba if you want to. The Holy Spirit being Rafiki. Do we know who we are? Have we forgotten that we are the sons and the daughters of Father God? You know, when I spend time uh, in silence and solitude, you know, my primary aim um, is to hear what Holy Spirit says over me. Um, Ruth Haley Barton wrote a book called An Invitation to Silence and Solitude, which the title might put some of you off. It's a really, really good book. A really good, it's an easy read. Um, so I'd encourage any of you, if you want to press into that, to pick that up. Um, and she talks in her book about sitting in silence and solitude purely to hear what Holy Spirit is saying about us. Do we know who we are? You know, can I, can I stand here in front of all of you and really know it and own it that the Holy Spirit says over me, I am loved? Some days I can, some days it's harder. What is Holy Spirit saying over you today? It's so important for us to know and to hear his voice over us. So it might be that you're hearing this for the first time. It might be that you're hearing it for the hundredth time. That God is I am. And we are not. But God is God. And knowing him and knowing who we are changes everything. Why don't we stand and we're going to pray.